Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. So we've got some important and amazing things to get to today, but before we get to them, I, I think it's important for us to make sure we understand why we're getting to these things that we read in the book of Romans. And it comes back to, to who we are and, and who we're trying to be. Here at FCC, we have a vision that everything that we do is going to be about leading people closer to Jesus. And that's not just for this moment that we're in right now. And it's not just for the right now. It's, it's for the now, but it's also for the future. I mean, we want to continue to be a church that is leading people closer to Jesus. And we do that. We, we, we think that happens best when we love God and love people and serve others. And around here today, just in the couple of hours that, that we're here, all of those things are happening in amazing ways. So just, just in the time that we've spent in this room today, uh, we've had opportunity to, to sing to God collectively. We've had opportunity to, to spend some time in prayer collectively. We've had time to be involved in communion and time to be involved in giving. All kind of our part of loving God as, as a church. But at the same time, while all that's been going on, today throughout the building, there have been life groups that have met in all kinds of different rooms. There's some that are meeting right now. And those are people who are investing in one another's lives, who are caring about what's going on in each other's lives. They're asking questions about how the week has gone and, and maybe details and updates on things that they were concerned about the week before. In addition to that, there's been conversations that have happened in the commons. Maybe you've already had some of those or you're kind of looking forward to having those when the service is over with some people that you just want to catch up with and, and you want to talk to and, and you want to invest in them. And that's, that's a love for people that's happening in all of those different ways. And then also today, in here and around the building, there are teams of people, volunteers, whether tech people or worship people or kid town folks or uh, people in Elevate with our student ministry or guest service folks or coffee people that have been at work who have been volunteering and serving so that other people um, can be led closer to Jesus. And so there's been a love God, love people, serve others thing happening just during these two hours that, 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 that we've been here. And yet, I don't really want to talk about any of that today. It's not that it's not important. It's really important, this time that we get to spend here. But I want to focus a bit more on the rest of our week, on what we do apart from this moment that we're in right now. There, there are times when I think sometimes we view this moment that we're in right now, these couple of hours that we spend inside this building, we tend to think about those as the spiritual time in our week. And so we come here and we kind of check the box of kind of being with God and spending time with God and doing God things. And then we get to the rest of our week and, and the rest of our week's kind of separate from that, but we're going to come back around to it again next Sunday and, and we'll check the box again. And I don't think that's what scripture is pointing to. It's certainly not what Paul is talking about. And I'd like for us to, to really take a look at the real people that we are during the rest of the week. And I want us to take an honest look at that. And I guess in essence, I'm wanting us to kind of put a mirror up to our lives. I want you to put a mirror up to your life. I'm going to put a mirror up to my life. We're not necessarily going to tell 
other folks about it. This is just within ourselves to be honest. Okay, this isn't about looking in the mirror for the sake of judgment or shame or ridicule. This is looking in the mirror for the sake of an honest look at our life. Now, some of us have all kinds of different mirrors in our house, okay? You have different size mirrors in your house. Some of you have different magnifications of mirrors in your house because the magnification allows you to really get in there and see how things are going. And, and so you've got different mirrors. And not only do we have different mirrors, I think that within our households, we use mirrors differently. And I'm probably going to get myself in some hot water with this one, but I think that men and women in particular use mirrors differently. I think that there's a way to use mirrors that's most effective where you, you really take a look at the reflection that's staring back at you and really see what's there and make whatever adjustments need to be made. And, and I think that, that women, for the most part, use a mirror effectively. Because women will tend to pay attention to the mirror and pay attention to the reflection, make whatever adjustments they want to make. It's amazing they can transform themselves from one look to a completely different look just by looking in the mirror and making the adjustments that they want to make. On the other hand, men are lucky if we ever look at a mirror. There are mirrors all over our house, and honestly, we just don't pay attention to them. Because getting ready in the morning, getting dressed in the morning, is just an annoying precursor to the rest of my day. Okay? It's what I, I just have to get through so I can get going. And I don't need a mirror to do that. I can actually get all the way dressed and ready to go out the door, and I can look down and kind of know if everything is buttoned and zipped, and I'm good. Okay? In fact, the only glances that I tend to make at the mirror is just to kind of see, does my hair look like I've slept on it? And am I bleeding anywhere? Okay, that's all I want to see. If that's all good, then we're good and it's success and we can move on. Guys do not use the mirror to its potential. And I think quite honestly, God should probably spend a, a little more time, guys should, in, in looking at the mirror. But today, we're going to do that. Today, we're going to spend some time talking about who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to be, how our lives should respond to everything that God has done for us that we've been talking about through the book of Romans. But I want us to kind of consider what our real life is like. Not based on just these couple of hours that we spend in a church building on Sunday, but throughout our week, how are we really doing? Not out of judgment, not out of ridicule, not out of shame, but just an effort to be honest about the life that we lead and what it is to God. Now, we had some homework this week. The homework this week was for you to, to memorize a couple of verses from the Bible. And the homework was to memorize Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, okay? And, and, and I hope that you participated in that. And when I say participate, I hope you tried. You may not have gotten it exactly right. You may have missed some words here and there. You may have tried to do it and you couldn't get all the way through both verses or, or, or you know, one out of 60 times did you actually get it right the whole way through, but you tried. And, and I hope that you did. And I was trying to figure out how we could celebrate that moment together. 
And I thought about having all of us stand up who had participated and had memorized those two verses and we could say them all together. The problem is that some of us memorized it in one translation and others in another and there's all kinds of different translations and it would get kind of confusing as we stumbled over words along the way. So here's what I want to do. If you participated, and by that I mean you tried. It, it doesn't, you're not, I'm not going to grade you on how well you did, but if you tried to memorize God's word, Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. If you tried that this week and you participated that way, would you just uh, uh, applaud and give yourselves a hand for doing that? Would you do that? I wanna keep it up because I'm proud of you for doing that. We had one of our students in Kidtown that recited those two verses he didn't get the memo that we weren't putting that on him. He went for it anyway. I love that. Here's the thing, though. When we put God's word into our minds, it is nothing but good that comes from it. Because we are suddenly impacted by what God says. And it impacts our lives. Well, the first verse of our memory work for this past week was Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship to God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. These are details to how to access your best life. And that's really what we're talking about in this whole series is that there is a best way for you to live. There's a best way that your life can go. And it's, it's, it's not about some secret that God's keeping from you and that someone along the way is gonna show you the secret handshake so that you can access your best life. Or somehow there's gonna be some incantations and some words that if you'll spout these words off, suddenly you'll have your best life. Paul actually spells out for us what it means to respond to God so that we can be living that best life. It's just that we find out that it's different than what we thought, it's more difficult than what we thought, and it's far more encompassing, all-encompassing, than what we thought. Because I appreciate the way that the message shares this text in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And the message, in case you're wondering, it, it's kind of a mixture of a translation and a paraphrase. There's translation parts that are in it, and then sometimes there's a little bit extra thrown in there to explain one of the words that's there. And that's kind of what this verse is in the message. It says this. It says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. See, this isn't about just the time that we spend here for a couple of hours on Sunday. It's about that plus the rest of your life. It's not all about this. All of your week, all of your life is an offering to God. Now remember, Paul, he was trained as a Jewish leader. He was trained as a Jewish theologian. He's very versed in all of the traditions and all of the law of the Jews and all of those traditions and all of that law has a lot of sacrifices and a lot of offerings that are part of it. But all of them fall into one of two categories. They're either sacrifices of reconciliation, where people were offering sacrifices to try and mend the fence between them and God. And they're trying to kind of make 
up to God and pay God for the, 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 the debt of their sin, or they are sacrifices just of celebration, that God, thank you for everything that you've blessed me with. Thank you for everything that you've done for me. Really, all the sacrifices, all the offerings of the Old Testament and of the, the Jewish tradition fall into one of those two categories. So what is this one when it comes to our life as a sacrifice to God? Well, Paul spent 11 chapters explaining to us that the reconciliation that needed to happen between us and God was never anything that we could do anything about. He says it over and over again. He said that, look, while, while you were still sinners, God demonstrated his love for you in that during that time, while you were still trying to separate yourself from God, God sent Jesus to die for you. And that because he sent Jesus, and because of Jesus' death and his resurrection, his power over sin and over death, because of everything Jesus did, and not because of anything you did, God has a gift to present to you. And it is a gift that is the forgiveness of your sins that you couldn't do anything about, and the gift of the Holy Spirit who will be with you all the time, continually and consistently reminding you that God has fixed this relationship, that, that, that there has already been a reconciliation all done by God and not at all done by you. So in no way, shape, or form should we see our sacrifice, our offering to God to be an offering of reconciliation. No, instead, everything we do in life is a sacrifice of celebration. It's an offering of celebration to God for everything that he has done for us. It's kind of how we get this whole thing wrong. We tend to think that we've got to live the right way, say the right things, go through the right, jump through the right hoops, live a certain uh, set of things throughout our week, and if we'll do that, then we'll please God and he'll be happy with us and we'll be friends with him again. No, he already did all that. He already fixed our friendship. Everything that we do with our life is in celebration to, it is in honor to, it is out of respect for everything that God has done for us. Our sacrifice, our offering, our life is a celebration, an offering of celebration for all that God has done. And Paul says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices that are holy and pleasing to God. He's calling for, going back to the message, he's calling for your ordinary life, your everyday life, your sleeping and eating and working and walking around life, your sports life, your traffic life, your school life, to be a, an offering to God, not as some kind of a payment to him, not in, in you trying to fix your relationship with him, but as a celebration in gratitude for all that God has done. And when he gets to the live a, a, a life of sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God, Paul's gonna step back into the Old Testament and back into his Jewish heritage for just a moment with that. Because there's times when we read that or, or when we may think to ourselves, I'm not sure that my life pleases God. And, and how do I know that? How do I know if my life pleases God? How do I know if I've done enough to please God? And we can kind of, really mess with ourselves and cause this spiral to happen in our head and get very anxious because we're not sure if we're pleasing God. Here's how you know. 
All the way back in the Old Testament, I mean deep into the Old Testament, way back at the beginning, into Genesis, Genesis chapter 4, we have the, the sacrifices, the offerings of Cain and Abel. And Cain worked in the fields. He was a farmer. And the Bible says that when the, the two brothers were going to bring offerings and sacrifices to God, that Cain brought some of his crops and he put them on the altar to burn as a sacrifice to God. Abel was a shepherd. He worked with livestock and Abel went through and he really looked at what he had. And he picked what to him was the best of what he had. And maybe it was his favorite animal or maybe it was an animal he was going to keep for himself or maybe it was the animal that was going to bring the most money at market. I, I don't know, but he, he chose what was best. And he brought what was best to put on the altar as a sacrifice to God. And the Bible says that God found favor in Abel's sacrifice, but not in Cain's. Now, why was that? Well, it's not that God is not really into veggies, okay, and there, maybe there's some Brussels sprouts that were up there on the altar. It wasn't that. It, it, it's not that God was a, a meat eater and it was all about that. It wasn't about the items that were in the sacrifice. It was about the attitude. And it was about the intent. Had Cain gone through and really spent time making sure that he was going to bring what he considered to be his best to the altar, God would have found favor in him too. And so when it comes to your life and it comes to, to, to the life that you're presenting to God, not just in the couple of hours that we spend here, but is the life that you're presenting the best that you could give God? I mean, if you're... If you're honestly looking in the mirror and you're asking yourself, okay, let me, let me look at my life. Let me look at my days. Let me look at the, how the week rolls. Are you bringing your life to God and, and laying it out to him as an offering to him? And, and if you are, are you giving him the best of you or are you just giving him some of you? Or are you maybe even just giving him leftovers of you? Sometimes there are Days, maybe weeks that go by and you get to the end of your day and you're almost falling asleep and you'll think to yourself, you know, I haven't really talked to God in a while. I should really pay attention to him for a second. And you start to pray to him and then you fall asleep because it's just your leftovers. Are you bringing your best to the altar as a celebration for all that he has given you? William Barclay wrote these words almost 100 years ago. He said, a man may say, I am going to church to worship God, but he should also be able to say, I am going to the factory, the shop, the office, the school, the garage, the mine, the shipyard, the field, the garden to worship God. Our response to God for everything that he has done for us is a life that is an offering of celebration to him. And that life is a life that is different. Continuing on with our homework, we get to Romans chapter 12. The first part of verse 2 says this, 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And maybe you've heard this verse before, and maybe you've even heard an interpretation of this verse that says something like, what this is saying is that we need to be in the world, but not of the world. Which isn't bad, but let me, let's dig into that a little bit further. A follower of Jesus stays in the secular world without being trapped by the world and without failing to be a witness to the world. See, there are some people that look at this, this verse and they think, to, well, if I'm not supposed to be in the world, I'm going to go into hiding and I'll just hide out and I'll stay away from everything that the world has to offer. And as long as I stay in hiding, then I'm doing the right thing. I'm not sure that is the point. I think our offering to God is for our lives to not be immersed in the world, but also not to go into hiding from the world so that we can be a witness to the world. So what does that look like? When I moved to Kentucky, I wondered... Um, what kind of response I would get wearing all of my IU swag, okay? And I've got a lot of Indiana University stuff. There's t-shirts and there's sweatshirts and there's hoodies and there's jackets and there's hats and there's a lot of it. And, and quite honestly, I wear a lot of it a lot of times. And when I wear that, it is completely comfortable and kind of looks like everybody else and fits in really, really well when I wear all of that in Bloomington, Indiana. I don't live in Bloomington, Indiana. I live here. And here, I'm smack dab between all of the UKedness and the U of Ledness. And so the question is. What do I choose to do with the swag that I have and the pride that I have in the team that I follow? Well, I can tell you that it does not cause me pause at all. I don't really care what anybody thinks because that's my team and I have no shame in wearing them. And quite honestly, for the seasons we've had for the last couple of decades, there are plenty of times I should have shame, and I still have no shame. And I certainly don't. We beat the number one team in the country yesterday. I got no shame right now. I may not look like everybody else looks. I may not wear what everybody else wears. I may not always fit in. I try not to be obnoxious about it but I'm going to respect and support my team. And I tend to think that that's exactly what Paul is challenging us to do in our response to God, not just in these couple of hours that we spend on Sunday, but with the rest of our life. That we would represent him, that we would honor him in the choices that we make. Now, I, I know that what I'm about to say is not a real popular perspective in a sports-minded America today. But when I was in high school, I made the finals of a tennis tournament 
and the finals of the tennis tournament was supposed to be played on Saturday, but it got rained out. And so they moved it to Sunday morning. My parents discussed it with me, and we decided that I would say no. Not because we saw tennis as evil, not because we thought that the tournament directors were, were just way too worldly, not because we were trying to, to kind of stick it to somebody. No, it was because I had made a commitment with God, a promise to God, that I was going to corporately come together with other people and worship him on Sunday morning. And that was a commitment that I made that I was not going to break. Now, the rest of the story, it turns out that the guy that I was supposed to play in the finals was perfectly willing to clean my clock on Sunday afternoon. And he did. But it was a choice that was about my offering to God. And whether I was going to celebrate him with the choice that I made, or whether I was going to choose to be like everybody else. And even in that time, the choice was different. So where does that choice pop up for you? Where are there opportunities in your life to celebrate God in the choices that you make? I'm sure it happens at work, in ethics and morality and loyalty and uh, in integrity. They're always on the line and the world is often pushing us over the line because that's where the measure of success is, is supposed to be. Or what about relationships, whether it's with your family or with friends or neighbors or coworkers or uh, students that you're around, whatever the case is. I mean, some of these same things are up for grabs. And it comes down to a choice of whether we're going to be servants about it or whether we're going to be selfish. Now, the world even though the world is, has changed a little, and, and so the world wants us to be kind to one another, but still wants us to look out for number one. We want to kindly be selfish, is what the world tells us. But what does different look like? What does it look like to, to honor God, to respect God, to celebrate everything that he has done for us and the, the, the offering of our life that we, we, we lay out for him? It's a life of generosity. It's a life that gives even when other people tell you that it's foolish to give. It's giving to the less fortunate. It's providing food for the hungry. It's, it's clothing the naked. It's doing all those things in, in view of other people who are in need. And that's a life that's different. And then Paul gives us the result of all this, the final part of verse two from our homework, Romans chapter 12. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's a mystery and a struggle for some of us. Some of us have really um, spent time on this one, trying to figure out what God's will is, and we've been kind of frustrated trying to understand what God's will is and trying to comprehend what God's will is, and some of us think that it's like a secret that God's keeping from us until we do the right thing or we say the right thing or, or, or we, we kind of jump through the right spiritual hoop, and then he'll kind of tell us what his will is for our life, 
And it's a question that can really add a lot of pressure to us, and we tend to add the pressure of this question of of what is God's will for my life into a lot of already pressure-packed decisions. And we can be having a decision that we've gotta make about our job, and while we're in the midst of thinking about that decision, we, we get kind of caught up in adding to that, well, I, I need to figure out what to do with this thing in my job because I need to make sure that I'm doing God's will for my career. Man, that, that decision just went way up in the intensity. Or we've got kids right now in high school that are having to kind of make their decisions about what the schedule is going to look like for their next semester or their next year. And And there's lots of pressure kind of being put on them to make sure they get this right and don't mess up. You don't want to fall behind and and, and wish that you'd done something at the end that you didn't do now. And it's a lot of pressure. And then we add on to that, this pressure of, boy, you got to make sure that you're doing God's will for your education. I, I think that that pressure is an unnecessary layering of pressure that we are adding to the story. Paul says that God's will will be apparent to us if we live a life that is an offering of celebration to him. And when you live your life in that offering of celebration for all that God has done for you and all that God has blessed you with, I believe that his will will find you. Because you can't logic your way to God's will for your life. You can't pay for, for that will to be shown to you. And you can't copy your will because of the way that it's working out and the way that you see it happening in somebody else's life. His will for your life is specific to you. And, and is specific to your worship of him as an offering. Not, not just here in the time that you spend for a couple of hours on Sunday morning, but what you do with your entire life. And his will will show itself to you. There's no place in scripture where Jesus promises or or Paul promises that the careless and the casual and the uncommitted will somehow just land on their feet and when it's all said and done, they will find out as surprised to them as anybody else that they accidentally did the will of God. Rather, he states that those who genuinely do what is required will find in their own experience the reality of the will of God for their life. It will find you. When you let go of the reins, quit trying to control everything by yourself and bring the best of your life to him as a sacrifice, as an offering, celebrating all that he has done for you. So, it's time to actually look in the mirror. Not glance at it, but really look. And when you see that reflection staring back at you, three things to consider. Is your life, okay, not just the couple of hours on Sunday, Is your life an offering of celebration to God? Is your life different than the lives that the the world is pressuring us towards 
Are you in the world but not of the world? And are you sensing? And are you letting his will find you? That reflection in the mirror is not there to judge you. It's not there to shame you. It's not there to ridicule you. It's just there so that you can be honest about the life that you're living. And know that a life that brings the best to God as an offering of celebration to him, it's in that life that we access the best life for us. Let me pray for us right now. Heavenly Father, God, we continue to thank you for all that you have already done for us, for the reconciliation that you have brought about for the mending of fences that you've made in our relationship. We thank you for all of that. And God, we want to live lives that are a celebration of what you have done. How you have blessed us. How you continue to bless us. So God, would you help us if we have kind of been living out a mentality that feels like we're trying to jump through hoops and we're trying to find the secret handshake that would tune us into something that we're missing, would you help us to recognize it's not about us trying to fix our relationship with you. You've already done that. Our lives that we lead and our lives that we live are offerings of celebration where we bring our best to you and we honor you and we respect you. We're not ashamed of you or ashamed of our relationship with you. And we let that shine, though it may be different for the world to see. We thank you that we have that chance. We thank you that we have a God who loves us so much that he would fix our relationship when we were doing everything to destroy it. God, we love you, but you loved us first. And you sent Jesus so that we could know a gift from you. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.